initiate startup process. Now, all the way live. Hey, yo, <laughs> y'all know what this is. Damn it, the most hip hop and R&B. I want to introduce to y'all. It's infamous. Call your friends and tell them it's going down now. It's going down. You understand that? This is live. Let's go. In five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Infamous Hour Live here on Facebook.com slash Nation. And shout out to all the listeners and users on the Roku channel. Each and every week, the Infamous Amadeus. I am here on Facebook bringing you some legendary artists as we have been for almost the past year. Shout out Boombat Nation, my guy Isness, and of course, our official sponsor, Livecast. And I have my good friend who is now my co-host, Tone Vera from SiriusXM. He's here. Tone, what's up? What's up, Boom Bappers? I'm happy to be here, yo. There's so much, like, legendary stuff that happens on the show, so I'm glad to finally be a part of it and for you, the man, bro. No, I, I definitely appreciate it. I mean, th- this is something different, something special. And, and as I've been saying in the last few weeks, we, we're expanding the map a little bit, Tone. You know, we, we started with a bunch of East Coast guys. You know, we started to migrate down south with Goody Mob. We had JT Money in Miami. It's only right we go to the West Coast. So when it comes to the West Coast, I mean, this guy right here, even though he's really from Texas, but he's synonymous with West Coast. Death Row Records, we're going to talk about it. The Realist is here. Welcome to Boom Bap Nation. How you guys doing, man? Thanks for having me. No, thank you for coming. in here. What's happening? Everything is great. Now, now quickly, we, we spoke about, you know, you're synonymous with the West Coast, but you're really from Dallas. Talk about Dallas hip-hop scene. There's not really that many guys. We spoke about DOC, but it hasn't really been that many guys that came from Dallas. So what was kind of your inspiration to get into music from a city that didn't really have a lot of guys that were that were in the game? Um, Back when I was just first just getting into it, man, like, DOC, that's like big bro. You know, we communicate on on a weekly basis, but I was a hip hop soldier, man. I was with anything that can that can move me. We got a lot of East Coast down there early in the game, man. Mm-hmm. But it was it was artists from my city like Nemesis, and you know, we had like the Run C's and all those type of guys that was that was coming up and formulating, man. And then I start seeing like guys my age getting deals. I was like, wow, it was groups like Genocide and. Mm-hmm. All these type guys that was from my my era of my age bracket that was getting some money. I was like, whoa, hold on, man. I gotta turn this into a check now. But the ghetto boys was motivating me at the same time too, man. So, you know what I mean? I, this is in the 80s. You know what I mean? We was hearing about them, and you know, just so happened Dallas and Houston's not that far away. We were running up that 45 freeway down 45 south, and we just started plugging with a lot of artists from down there, man. And I was just lucky to be able to just, uh, my older cousin, he would facilitate a lot of stuff for me. And I like had a lot of homies that kind of like kept me out the streets mm. a little bit, you know what I mean? But I was still in them streets. So I was in a studio, man, in high school. So I'm putting tapes together early, like real tapes, like like not just rapping on nobody beats, you know what I mean? And I was able to have a few buddies who made it to the NFL through my cousin and they was putting me in the studios, man. You know, they played for the Dallas Cowboys once Super Bowl. So it was just my stuff, my story. I got a cold story, bro. So it was early, man. I was just having a whole lot, man, like money-wise. And it was, it just happened for me early, man, in a different kind of fashion, bro. And I was just motivated through, like I say, man, DLC, when I seen him coming through there, bringing the Dr. Dre's and the Easy es to the hood, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, this shit is real. Yo, the realist, like, you definitely have a, a story worth telling. And 
I, I wanted to start at the Texas part. There's another artist that comes to mind, J.O. Felony. He's from a different part of Texas, and he kind of infiltrated his way into like the same circles as you were working with a lot of death row artists. Did you ever get a chance to work yeah. with J.O. Felony? Uh, no, not no music wise, but you know, business wise, just hanging out. That's the homie though. Super solid cat. Yeah. Um, yeah. J.O. Super solid cat, man. The, the realest, how important is DOC to hip hop? Uh, you know, I, I think like on the East coast, man, you, you gotta, you gotta have the, the statues, of, the, the Mount of Rushmore, the, the Mount Rushmore, yeah, the Mount Rushmore's. You gotta have those faces. And even though he doesn't have his voice, yeah, you know, sometimes God does some 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 stuff that you're not supposed to question. Um, that man has a tremendous pen, man. I mean, penmanship is immaculate. The only person besides him that I I learned got that pen game from was from Jay Flex. Mm. Um, these guys, I watched. I, I was around them. I'm like, wow, man, you, you got to be a storyteller. That's what they always tell me. Be a story. Anybody can rap. I think anybody can rap. Cause you he'll hear the music that's out right now. It's just some, you know, half of it is corny, but you turn into a storyteller. And then when you know you really are a, a true MC is when you turn another artist into a true artist. And both of those guys wrote hits for Dre. You know, you know what DOC wrote for Dre. Mm. Jay Flex wrote all the Dre hits, the Death Row hits, the California Love, the Natural Born Killers, the Been There Done That, to keep the heads ringing. That's all one man's pen. You know what I mean? And that's, I was up under him just every day. We were boxing. When I say boxing, we freestyled nonstop, back to back to back. So, you know, I just got to hone in my skills a whole lot because I was super young. So I was just watching all this. You say super young, like, according to the facts here, you started like at 10 years old getting into the music scene. You wasn't playing around. Nah, man, it was. It was a love for it because for one, I don't think I was supposed to be doing it. So I had to sneak into it because my father's a preacher. So, you know, some of that I couldn't play it in the house like I wanted to. So I had to go next door to the homie's house. And you know what I mean? So it was just different in my house. We, we, I couldn't just bang just all the cussing and all super loud. I had to throw my little Sony Walkman, put my tape in and you know what I mean? But I was young. I started winning talent shows. My pops would be like, you won? I'm like, yeah, I won. He like, you won? I'm like, man, I won, man, against some, some older dudes I won. And he was like, wow, then I started coming home with the money that I won with. You like, you won again? I'm like, yeah, I won again. Like, I never lost. It's, I'm not being arrogant or anything, but I never lost. Every time I show I jumped on, I won them. And it was all my original stuff. It would be people doing other artists' songs. You know how you get up and do a talent show and you perform another artist's song? Yeah. I was coming up there with my own stuff. Original work. Nobody knew not one word. And I would win. Hmm. I'm like, damn, man, I won. They didn't know one word. I remember MC Light and Big Daddy Kane came to my, my school. And uh, K104, the radio station, brought him up there. Brought him up to the school and, you know what I mean, I won that talent show. And years later, I'm sitting down with MC Light. You know what I mean? I said, man, you remember y'all came to Dallas and woo woo Kane had the big dookie rope on and you up there with the dye in your hair, haircut short, and y'all rocked off with the radio station. And she was like, man, I remember that. I remember that. I was like, yeah, I was that cat that won that. And she just like, I was like, yeah, just psycho. You know what I mean? It's a crazy story though. 
We're live right now, Facebook.com slash Nation. This is the infamous hour live. I'm your host, the infamous Amadeus. I have Tone Vera here, and I have legendary West Coast Dallas artist, The Realist. He is here. Uh, if you're in oh, the yeah. if, That's right. If you're in the chat right now, I am taking questions. There's been a few questions, uh, so I'll, I'll ask them as we go along. Now, you're from Dallas, but you're synonymous with West Coast. So how did that actual migration happen? You coming from Texas and then moving on to California and eventually uh, joining Death Row Records. Hustling, man. You know what I mean? Didn't stop the grind. Uh, you know, just I had a phenomenal manager, man, Karen Chapman, you know, and, you know, just bump in the whole death row camp, man. I spit my rhymes for Pop, Suge, and, and within 48 hours, you know, it was, a, it was a weekend trip, man. I came back, man. I was I was locked and loaded. I was staying at Jay Flex's house. Um, until sure facilitated my living conditions, mm-hmm. um, you know. So I had I had my own spot back in Dallas, man. I let my brother move into it. I never went back. I, I I just never went back to my house, bro. My brother stayed at it. I was like, man, I'll be back. I'm just gone for a weekend. I never came back home. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, and I like I say, I owe a lot to Flex because at that time he didn't have to let me get on some records. The records that I did get on mm. actually came out on the gang related. Mm. And that's why I came out under the name Teninikin. I wasn't even called a realist then. My name was Teninikin. So on the gang related soundtracks, that's the name that I was under at that time. You know what I mean? And then Suge changed my name. He was like, hey bro, ooh, ooh, man, he's one of the realest artists I got. Ooh, I'm gonna run, we go, we go do this. We go call this, let's go with the realist now. Cause a lot of people can't pronounce your name that good. And, Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, man, whatever, let's go. As long as I get my music out. You know what I mean? So that's when we switched it to the realest, like 90, 98, early 98, 90, late 97, early 98, somewhere around there. But on the gang related movie soundtracks, I was on the Teninic and Jay Flex had me on two of his records. You know what I mean? So that's where it all just took off, took off at. That must have been a good look because that, that soundtrack featured obviously Tupac. Mac 10, Ice Cube, Snoop. Like, hey, what, what did that, still, that was the, well, that was also like your debut to the world. So what did that do for your career? Like early on, it just being on a soundtrack with all those legends. I still get residual checks to this day. I told you, it's, man, till I, till I get put in a box and get six under, I'm never, I'm never selling my publishing. Shit, I had to so sure to get 50% of my publishing back. So you know, one hundred percent of all that still comes into me now. Every everything that I did on Death Row, I get everything still. A lot of artists, you know, I don't know how they handle their business, but like I said, I had a phenomenal manager that made sure all my business was good. I didn't, uh, I didn't do buyouts. You know what I mean? So, uh, but what did it do for my career? It it positioned me to be able to do more after that, because um, the project after that that I believe they put out next was um, the Chronic Two Thousand. And I had the majority of the music on that double CD. I think I had eight or nine records, I believe, mm-hmm. on there out of a double CD. So it was kind of like a, a, a EP for me. A double CD was nine songs were mine. And I had Scarface on my on there, Richie Rich, and uh, everybody, man. Records with Dads and Cook Up and everybody. I was on, I was on, I had everybody on there. And I loved it because it was a mostly majority in-house artist that was just still the shit at that time. Yeah. I, I even did a record. I did a record with DMX. Did you? I did a record with DMX on God of Love Gangsters. That's the record that I had to put Scarface and Richie Rich on. Mm. It was originally done with DMX. 
but Suge spitting Leo Corn face. <laughs> we sitting there, we having a meeting. Me, Suge, Leo Corn, we sitting there having a meeting. And uh, uh, they getting into it, bro. Suge spitting in his face. I said, oh, man, you just messed up the DMX verse, man. What's wrong? And this is where X was hot. Mm-hmm. I mean, X could have cried on the record, man. It would have went 10 times platinum, man. So uh, the, uh, Def Jam want to go clear that, man. So Richie Rich and Scarface came in there and murdered it for me. So talk a little bit about, you know, Death Row Records post-Pac, because obviously we had, you know, Death Row was, you know, they were in the forefront, then you had Bad Boy, you know, whatever happened, happened. But what, yeah. what was it like working after that? Because obviously, you know, th- there was a lot of lashback from the violence and some of the instigation that may have happened. So as an artist coming up in this type of climate, like how were you able to navigate to be able to even accomplish the things that you accomplished? It was... um. Excuse me. It was, it was a learning experience. I tell everybody it was like going to college. In my mind, I had a, I had a three year plan. I was like, I got thirty six months over here. Mm. It was like college to me, like a freshman high school. I mean, a freshman sophomore junior senior. Boom, I'm gonna graduate. I didn't plan on being on death row for no five, six, seven, eight years. I was over from ninety six to oh one. Okay, so um, majority of the time, sugar was in and out of jail. So business was cool. One thing, my money never was funny over there. Mm. Suge never played with me with my money. That's one thing. Not other artists, they had situations, but he made my money was good with him. You know what I mean? I can't say nothing bad about it. Man, my birthdays, he blessed my hand. He did stuff for my moms. You know what I mean? He, you know what I mean? Every cars, putting rims, stereo systems in it. You know, and he he never said no. And I always had studio book. He put a studio in my house. Um when I got shot, he took care of a lot of stuff for me, man. He just did different stuff that a lot of people don't even know. And I don't even talk about because people say, oh, man, F dude and this, 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 this. And I'd be like, yeah, man, dude, bumped heads a couple of times. But it was, we grown men. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So my problems aren't the problems that a lot of other cats had with him because he didn't handle my situations like that. And we sat and had some real boss conversations and did some boss things. That's why a lot of my music made it on certain projects and a lot of the artists stuff never made it. So I'm not going to, you know, never just dump on the cat because he made sure all of my stuff was solid. Not never had one money problem with him. That's real talk. And I always is in the studio. Facts. Facts. Yeah, so. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just make this statement. I think it's fair to say that Death Row Records is probably the most popular record label in the hip hop scene ever, and you got to be signed to it. You know, every time like if you were to Google Death Row Records right now, that famous yeah. picture of uh, Suge, Snoop, Tupac, Dr. Dre would come up. Yeah, you know, and like earlier, you guys mentioned like a Mount Rushmore of like West Coast artists, but like the Death Row Mount Rushmore was right there. Like what yeah, kept I mean- you? What kept you from being on that picture? Um, I wasn't, I wasn't around for that photo shoot. But one thing about I tell you about Death Row, you know, it was good and bad, man. It was, it was. Uh, you didn't sign a record deal to lose your life. It was a dangerous situation, man. You had to be on your on your on your p's and q's at all times when you was on Death Row, bro. It wasn't. Uh, it was fun days, but you had to. It was business, dog. It was people. You know, it was. You couldn't get the shoes, so you go get to the artist, you know, and you out here in the LA streets wiggling, man. LA is not to be played with, homie. But one thing about being over there, you had the essence of, of getting the gang knowledge. Uh, I learned so much gang knowledge over there 
um, cause you was with Crips and Bloods. I was with Crips and Bloods all day, Monday through Sunday. That's all I was with. And I mean, from the sixties to the mob power rules, to the Long Beach Crips, to South Central, every blood the Crip gang from the Watts to the anybody, I was with them and still cool with the majority of everybody out here right now. So you, you learn a lot, the demographics of it. And it, it taught me a whole lot. You know what I mean? I heard a lot of people like, man, don't, don't, don't come around me with your gang, homeboys. I'm like, everybody in LA in the gang. Even if you're not in the gang, you're affiliated with somebody who in the gang. The chicks are gang bangers. The baddest women that's walking the LA streets banging. You just don't see them throwing their set up in the pictures. Everybody gang banging in LA. It's just what it is. So get in and get out. You know, it's just how it is, bro. Yeah. That's why we're hitting Source Awards, Soul Train Awards, Vibe Awards. Man, we were setting it off. We were squabbing, man. You're going there, we fighting. It, it, it was a different essence back then. A lot of the new artists wouldn't have made it back then. No disrespect to them, but we was moving, dog. We was we coming in 150 deep, all bloods and crips. We 100 sugar by the whole place out. We coming in there deep. And, and, and the gang culture is much different on the West Coast than it is on the East Coast. I mean, the gang really started from there and how, how how real to life was that with music because you know we've seen the documentaries we've seen you know the type of environment death row records is just the west coast was in general you know how true yeah. to life was that actually where you know you see a lot of guys in 2021 i'm sure you're navigating like this guy and really do this, this guy and do that but when it came back to the 96 97 type of path how real no, was it it was real it wasn't it still is real i'm not gonna put it in past tense you know what I mean? Guys was with the business, dog. You know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't no Hollywood with it, man. It's a lot of, a lot of real ones that passed away that was on death row, bro. You know what I mean? Street guys, miss some deadly, some real ones that was over there, man. Um, wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a joke, bro? It wasn't a joke, homie. So I don't, I mean, we've been on the road, bumped heads on the road. Handle it. You know what I mean? Get back to LA. Bloods of Crips on death row. It's a it's a super game. Because, and I say that to say this, whenever we was around any situation and whether it's Bloods of Crips, it's like they merge up. It's like one big game. You don't we don't care if you're a blood or crip. Nobody can go touch a crip that was with us in and it's all pyros and bloods. Mm. They go get it. We getting down together. Some Pyrus get into it with somebody else. The, the Crips jumping in and getting that done at the same time. It's no, oh, let the Bloods handle that, or the Bloods not saying, oh, let the Crips handle that. No, it's a, it was crazy. It's like Voltron form, and you didn't want that problem. You see 150 dudes walking all with Delfro shirts on, and and they it, and they all together and moving in unison. It was amazing to watch it, and it, it spooked a lot of people, bro. Especially at that time, and it it, it spooked them. I remember we was uh we flew to Hawaii, man. The Up and Smoke tour was going on, man. Should booked up, booked a plane, the same plane we was on. Eminem and everybody on the same plane. Just out of, I was like, wow, it's a double decker Hawaii plane. You know how them double decker yeah. planes is, man. We on the same flight with everybody, bro. It was the pilot calling the poli Hawaii Honolulu police. It was, it, it was, they was rest man spitting the eminent face and it was a mess dog it was a it was a hell of a flight five hours just imagine five hours over the ocean full of gangbangers yeah 
And they didn't even know we was on a flight. They didn't even know we was getting on that flight. And putting us on to game, all of, a lot of stuff yeah. going on behind the it's scenes. So much, I, it's so much. I'm, man, I got a fly documentary we're working on right now. It's all in there, man. It, it, I got pictures, man. You know, a few of the homies that was over there getting to it at that time, they passed on. So, but I got a lot of, I got a lot of footage of what was going on over there too, man. You know, I kept a camera on me. I got oh, a ton of the footage. We oh, definitely got to check that out. We definitely got to check that out. Yeah, I got a ton of the footage, man. Me and Big C style got a ton of footage on that stuff, man. It's, it's remarkable, man. It'll take you back and you'll see, like, you know, again, no disrespect to these new cats. They wouldn't have been able to, to move like that, bro. Suge knew what time your flight landed. And this is when you can still walk into the airport and be at the gate when you come mm. out your terminal. You know what I mean? You know how much yeah. pressure it is you coming off your flight? <laughs> you got homies just standing right there looking at you in your eyes. So you got your, you're trying to get luggage. Your mind ain't no, no nonsense. Facts. Yo, <laughs> hey, I'm pumped to see that documentary. Um, I did want to ask you a question about, about like, you know, after what, after, you know, death row was, you know, after you were let go from death row, I understand that like, it was really difficult for you to get a deal with another record label. Was there like any record labels at least offering you meetings or some, some that were kind of considering you or what was, what was that backlash like? I had everybody getting at me, right? I'm flying to New York, going everywhere. And then I said, hold on, man. It gotta be bigger than this. Cause I was hollering at Suge. He like, hey, what's happening? I'm like, what's up? I'm like, man, this um, weird going on, B. What it was, B, on some real business, I think he was just, that I got all of my publishing back, bro. And I got a clean slate. I, I mean, I still got all, I still got all my contracts. It was just me now. I didn't have not 50% going to him. You know what I mean? So, but when um they actually showed me like emails coming and he wasn't sending the emails, people from the office, you know what I mean? I'm seeing emails. I'm like, wow. I'm like, wow, bro, it's like that. Cool. I ain't doing no tripping. Cause he was asking me at that time. I was writing Left Eye album. You know what I mean? I oh, was really? writing all of her stuff. Really? I, mean, I still got all the notebooks. Yeah, I got all the notebooks. I was writing. He wanted me to write for a majority of a lot of artists over there, and I was like, "That's cool," but I got to get my stuff handled at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I sat down. Me and Left Eye, we had a cool relationship. I sat down and started pinning a lot of stuff for her. One of the first songs that I wrote for her was called "My Main Squeeze." That was her reply to Pox, me and my girlfriend. She was the gun talking back to pop after me and my girlfriend. You know what I mean? It was it was gonna be the murder show, dog. You know what I mean? You gotta understand a little bitty short chick, man, five feet tall, talking some gangster shit. You know what I mean? So um, excuse my language, but um, but I think that was one of the majority of the problems though. But after that, I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not trying to even get a record deal no more. Let's just get a distribution deal and just eat that way, man. So I just started doing the other, doing it the other way, just putting my bread into myself and, and getting distribution deals. And my first distribution deal after that, I signed to Tommy Boy, Tommy Boy Records. Tom Silverman gave me a distribution deal in 2003, I believe. And that was cool. That was super solid. And after that one, I, um, I had, what was my next one after that? 
I forgot the one I had out there. And I locked in with RBC, which is the same guys who uh, ran Priority Records, Brian Shafton, uh, Ben and Bob Grassi. You know what I mean? Went over there and I started putting projects out with those guys. And I still do business with them today. And now I'm with Rival doing business. So. Yeah, shout yeah. Rival. Got to just stay hustling. Just stay hustling, bro. Never give up, man. Don't don't never push the chips in. Just keep going. Because during the whole time, all that, once again, I'm always tell you, death row checks still come in. It's going to for, forever. That's music is going to always sell. Yeah, the residuals. The residuals forever. Like, you're good for the, day, the rest of your life. It's forever, man. That's a Forever, man. It's like I talked to me and Steve. Yeah, me and Stevie J, best friends. You know what I mean? My man stay getting bad boy money. You know what I mean? Get that money. I'm going to get the death row money. Me and Stevie J, like a, uh, we like a super group underground. We, we get into my next single is with him. Mm. Video shot and everything. So, yeah. That, that's super still. dope. That's super dope. We can't wait to see it. Once again, we're live right now. Facebook.com slash Nation. This is the infamous hour live. I'm your host, the infamous Amadeus. I got my new co-host, Tone Vero, with the dope uh, graffiti background. And I have legendary Texas rapper the realist is here now the realist when, when we have these type of conversations scanning in the chat doing any search, sort of research um the, you know the, the pock thing is just you know it, it, it is what it is factor fiction yeah. factor fiction you recorded certain vocals postonius for pock when they needed uh clean versions and, and that type of thing is, is that true or not is it factor fiction is it factor fiction what do you think well, I'm asking the band himself. I'm, you know, you're here, so I'm here. Boom, bad yeah. nation. We're here. Yeah, <laughs> I love pop. Yeah, I love Death Row when I was on Death Row, man. Silence One thing I was taught all, all my real peoples is, is just you know we don't speak on business. That's business. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah. Listen to my music. You listen to pop music. If you like pop music, you like pop music. You like my music, you like my music. If you don't cool but you never know who you're listening to man turn the music up that's a fact so outside of music that's the best I'm answer just... i've ever got here round of applause no that's a fact that's the best answer vince this is the best answer ever here <laughs> we don't talk about business that's what's up um yeah we don't, I... we don't talk about business man that's, no, that's nah. a fact. so outside of like music right I understand. Yeah. I was looking, I was doing some research here. I saw that you were featured in an episode on season two of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, which was recently just discontinued. They're not going to shoot any more episodes. Man, I still get residuals off of that. See, a lot of people don't know, man, that residual game is something totally different, bro. I still get residuals off that. And they play my music in it. So that's a different check. Gotta know when, gotta know how to facilitate the check, bro. Oh, you out here just yeah. working every corner you can. No, I like that. No, that residual, yeah, residual money is crazy. I was on National Geographic, and and that is honestly the most money yeah. I've ever made off of music producing the score on National Geographic. Um, and and, and you know, you know, quickly, j just to you know, one of my favorite realist records is the joint with Ray J, right? And, and you showed a, a lot oh, yeah. of different personality on that record. Um, and, and it kind of felt, brother, it kind of felt like a different vibe for you because you was coming from the death row, and then you know, you you kind of went off on your own. But I mean, that's one of your biggest records. So how did that record come about with Ray J? And he was super hot at that time as well. Yeah, that's my brother, man. I've been knowing Ray J since the '90s, man. Ray J was a teenager, homie, so. Uh, still solid to this day, man. You know, but people, 
we grown men now, but at that time we was just trying something, man. And and uh, Damon Thomas and the underdogs, Harvey and them, they did that record for us. Excuse me. Um, they did that record for us and we had fun doing it. We did that baby face in them studio, man. Um, that was a fun day. We just went in there and aired it out. You know what I mean? Ray J, he shot that hook down, man, probably 45 seconds. He, you know, he just get to jumping around and, you know, getting into his little world. And after he shot that hook down, man, I just ran with it. It didn't take me no more than an hour to do all three verses, bro. And we shot the video a few weeks later. So that was a great record, though. And it's still it's still doing numbers, man. Radio picked up on that record, too. So I wasn't expecting radio to pick up on it, but they picked up on it. Right. It was a good record. Yeah. It's it funny, was, man. It yeah. That was the guy who made that beat. That, that was Kim Kardashian's first husband, Damon Thomas. He was on Death Row. Oh, <laughs> Hey, I, I remember when I first, yeah, I first met Kim, man. She was married to Damon. I used to go to Damon's house and record. You know what I mean? And, and uh, that's actually why I, I recorded the uh, Fuck Dre record at, at his house. You know what I mean? We we did the scratch for it at his house because uh, Shug was in jail at the time. Shug called like, hey, man, I got this beat, man. That I think you ought to talk, do this, do this, do this song. Really, y'all don't know. Shug, Shug masterminded that whole record. I caught all the heat for that record, but he he masterminded that whole record. You know what I mean? Cause he would sit down or he'll call me or I go see him. I went to see him that week. We did that record. I see, I went to Zoo see him. I think like on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and a Sunday, just to get that record put together, man. And uh, when I went to go record it, I went to Damon Thomas's house to do it, and you know, Kim come out of the room. She was a teenager, like nineteen or something. I said, man, why you got that girl locked up in that room like that, dude? You know what I mean? I said, man, let her, let, let her it, run free, man. Get up. Let her go to the streets. The streets want her. Get her out of there, man. The streets want her, too. Let her out of there, man. Oh, and, uh, man. you know, it is what it is, man. But that was his wife. Hey, then, see us years later, man, Ray, Ray had her. It and, was and, and then she took off the after that. Night. And then she took off and, and told quickly because now that we're talking about the Ray J. Kim, I mean, you, you know, you, you, your porn game is up too. I mean, you 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 dibble the devil to that. What type of bag is that like dealing with the porn industry as opposed to rap music? They threw me 30 bands to host one. It was, you know, just 30 bands, a quick 30. He was like, man, we got 30 bands. And the manager I had at that time hooked it up. I didn't, you know what, to this day, and this is honestly God true, I never even seen it. They just shot me the bread. You know what they did? They shot me 30,000 cashier check. And then uh, I was just bullshit with them. We was drinking some expensive tequila that they had brought. And we were just playing. And I had just got a new a new Benz like two days before. I said, man, go put me some rims on my Benz. And they were like, all right. It was 310 motor. And they got to, got to put, some, <laughs> put some new rims on my Benz and gave me a $30,000 cashier check. And I've never even seen it. I just hosted the thing. Hey, hey, it was it was a big couple of days, whatever it was. But thirty thousand, I didn't care. It was back then, though. As I need, I need, I need to hang around with you, bro. You you know how to get that bag. It's all bag, man. It's all bag. And another part of the bag is you gotta know how to be a ghostwriter, bro. That's you super important. Yeah, you gotta know how to write, bro. You not go always be the one doing it man so lean back and get behind some other people bro and get them there 
You never know. You Let them get going. Gems right now. You dropping straight gems. Yeah. I stay throwing that pen, bro. The pen is my best friend. I've been in the studio with my little homies. They uh, they write in their phones and they be I'm like, nah, I pull out the OG pad and the pen, bro, and get to it. So and you, you still you still write with the pen. You don't actually write like an iPhone or the Android or Nah, I would never disrespect hip hop like that, bro. Salute. Nah, it's disrespectful, bro. Yeah, That's I'm not cool. gonna do that. I got I got shoe boxes full of rhymes, homie, notepads, just Man, I can show you some stuff that'll blow your wig. And then just, you know, just the essence of just going back. I still got all, I got a ton of death row notepads even before death row. You know what I mean? I just got a ton of stuff, bro. But it's all, the pen is a, is, that pen is a monster, man. Yeah, and your discography's crazy. Monster, you had the man. opportunity to work with, like, everybody because of the circles you ran in. I want to ask you, like, can you, like, name a producer who you worked with that really brought out, like, like inner talents that you didn't even know you had, like somebody who you felt really developed you as an artist and took you to your peak? Um, I'm not gonna say they took me to my peak because I'm not even at my peak yet, I don't think. I think Facts. I learned something from every producer that I've ever recorded with. Uh, one, of, one, of, one of the producers that I kind of started honing my sound with was a guy named Kurt Cobain. I named him that too, his name was just Curtis. But when he was on death row, we called him Co- I called him Cobain because it's like, man, Kurt Cobain had just committed suicide. So I'm like, hey, bro, you a killer with the beats. Now, Kurt Cobain just killed himself, so let's go get it. You know what I mean? That was a producer. Now, he produced with Pac. He did um, he did that record MOB for Pac. Um, you know what I mean? He was a part of that whole Machiavelli era. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's when he came. Um, but it was another producer at that same time named Marv. It was a... Uh, but they was R&B producers, Magic and Marvel. There was two of them. They were working on Michelle A's album. And one day they was like, man, we tired of doing R&B. I'm like, man, I need some beats today, dog. And they were like, man, come to the studio. We got some beats. So they came in there and they from Jersey. And they some Jersey dudes. I came in there and they had a whole nother style. I was like, I thought I was going to hear like some ties, old slow singing stuff, man. And we started rocking after that, bro. You know, and at that time we was a beefing. And I actually did a song. My first song I recorded with them, man, uh, was a record. I did this in my deep. It was a classic, though. We never put it out. You know what I mean? It was it was like, ah, you know what I mean? So it was, that's when the funk was on. But the first record they played, I'm like, wow. And we had just got into it Mob Deep at the Soul Train Awards, dog. And I, like the next day, I was still pissed about it. I said, man, I just got into it with these dudes last night, man. And that was the record that I did, the first beat that I did with them dudes, man. What, what was the whole situation with Mob Deep at that time? What, why were you guys going back and forth and beefing? Man, Pac had just passed, bro, and they put that record out, man. It was a record they had put out. I, I think it's Drop a Gem on them, no? Man, was, I forgot the name of it, bro. It was 20-some years ago, man. But the homies were still hot up under the collar, bro. You know what I'm saying? You know... I ain't gonna bring it all up now, cause one of one of them, uh, bro, resting in peace now. So there's no need to bring all that back up. But it was, you know, we was young and, you know, that pop stuff was fresh on us, homie. That was a hard hit. Yeah. And to hear that, and you know, they walking around like on the on the west. It was like, man, come here, bro. We need to holler. So you know, it is what it was. It was what it was at that time, bro. You know. 
how is it on um how is it on the social media scene like are you are you heavy on social media not at all i don't even care about it honestly you know what i mean so but jason like, hey bro you got to get on even dub c was like real dude you don't get online for nothing man i go four weeks and want to even check on i don't even i don't care you know what i mean i'm in a studio i don't care about internet bro but you know, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start messing with it, man. I ain't even had a Twitter, a Facebook. Uh, I don't mess with it. I don't really don't care too much about it. But I get on it now. You know, I'm just now starting to just hone on it a little bit. But I see all my buddies now, like, hey, bro, get online, man. Start getting online and start putting your music. I really dub and Bowling to really like push me to put the records out. Like, man, you got too much music. I got hard drives full of music. Just because you don't hear me put anything out, it does not mean I'm not recording music. You know what I mean? Like the song that we just dropped today, mm-hmm. that song is from the Tupac Biggie Unsolved series. Really? When they get ready, when they get ready to shoot Pac on a strip, him and Suge, mm. that song is playing in the background. Is it? Yeah, you, you, I was kind of like, that, I was kind of like pissed that they put it at that point of the movie. That's so the that's USA. Is that the, is that the USA series, or is that the one with the lawyer? The yeah, Crump, the Crump guy. No, that's the that's the USA series. The USA series. So. When I saw that they put it at that part of the movie, I was like, I fell out of love with that record because I love that record. But I like, oh, I don't want that record no more because they put it at that scene. But then, you know, I talked to Edie. Edie was like, "Real, they go put somebody music right there and they cash you out, run it." You know what I mean? They said we go stick somebody music right there in that scene. And so, better be yours. You know. it, it's better be yours. Once again, we're live right now, Facebook.com slash Nation. This is the infamous hour. I'm your host, the infamous Amadeus, my new co-host, Tone Vera with the dope graffiti joint. He's in the background. We have the realist here in the building with us. Now, before we talk about the new record, I want to talk about your debut album, Witness the Realist, which, I mean, even though you had a catalog way before that, this is considered, you know, widely as your debut album. Now, I'm sure that there was a lot of music recorded. I I don't know how many years it took to record that album. My favorite record on there is the one with Fat Joe, but if you had to pick one record on this project that defines the realist sound, what would it be and why? Man. The Riddance, the realest album. The Sean P record is tough too, though. You you have some hey, choice on it. That Sean P record is a monster with Devin the dude. That's that was Sean that's P that's, that's a cold tough. record. Um, the Fat Joe record. Hey, look, Joe, my brother. That's Team Don. See, we all Team Don affiliated through 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 Dane and Mike Bibby. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's family. We lost familiar. I went to Miami. Joe took care of me. I stayed at Khaled House. The original, look, this is what's so cold. The original beat Khaled did. I didn't even use the beat that DJ Khaled gave me. That's not even, a, that's not, we, I flipped the beat around, let Black Tobin do it, one of the homies from the West Coast. The original track DJ Khaled did, I'm still sitting on that beat. The beat is so butter. If I drop it tonight, you go be like, whoa, I still never even used the beat. You never even heard the, the original version is monster, but I just, Switched the flavor up to it when I got back to the West Coast. But um, my favorite track on that whole on that whole project, bro, it's not one. I have to say, it's why I keep my burner on me, probably, because mm. it is it's, it's kind of like I'm off safety at all times when I got shot. You know what I mean? So it's it's a dark record. 
You know, it's a don't trust nobody record. And that's how this industry is. Don't trust nobody. Don't handshake. Don't, you know what I mean? Nobody, they don't even look you in your eyes no more. It's cutthroat, bro. You know what I mean? Just like, see what happened to Nip. I, 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 it's a lot of stuff still hurts. Cause Nip was a really, really good friend of mine. You know, I still got all these, it's a lot, I got a lot of dead homeboys that was in the industry phone number still in my phone. I scroll through it, it just trips me out. You know what I mean? I'm like, wow, wow, he's gone. He's gone. You know what I mean? It's a lot of dead people in my phone and I just want to delete them. I don't know why I want to delete them, but it's like post-traumatic stress syndrome that the uh, people in the service go through because these streets is the same way, bro. You know what I mean? It's the same thing. Hip hop is a dangerous sport. It's a contact sport. If you're not out here really in the streets, Nobody not gonna believe you. And for your music to sell, you gotta be believable. That's why half your cats get a record deal and start trying to gangbang. When it's the opposite, you wanna get out of there, but they wanna get in it. I've been having tattoos on me since high school when it wasn't cool. They used to be like, man, you got all that on you? Yeah, homie, this is me, this is how I'm modern. Man, that's all you see, people getting tatted up and wanna be down, you know what I mean? I was doing it when it wasn't cool to do it. Neck tatted up, hands, backs, everything. I'm 56 test deep. Wasn't a job in my future. You know what I mean? It was thug it out and see what happened. No tracks with Nip that we can expect? Man. Lord, 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 Lord. Well, I had to try to get something cleared up, man. You know? Who knows? I'm going to tell you one thing, though. I was just uh, I was just nip and nip. I think his mic went off. Your mic is off. Well, live right now, Facebook.com slash Nation. I'm your host, the infamous Amadeus. Tone Vera is here. Told you got to teach me how to uh, t t turn that background uh, thing because I actually don't know how to do it. I've been here for multiple weeks. We have the realest of the realest. We have this new record out right now featuring Dub C and Sebo. Under Rival Distribution. Now, Rival Distribution is a new company that's, you know, we we have some young guys there. Yes, sir. But with catering to the legendary artists, I mean, it, it, this is kind of unheard of now, you know, in 2021. And, and in your opinion, do you think leg the legendary artists get the respect that they deserve? It's, you know, hip-hop is the only genre. So for the people watching here, you know, they'll hear me say this almost every single interview because it's true. It's like, you know, if... If Garth Brooks dropped the record right now, they all be celebrating in Times Square with picket lines and billboards. But when it comes to hip hop, it's like the generation didn't follow. Why do you think that is? I don't think they follow because the money changes hands so fast. You gotta understand, it's more male groupies than there are female groupies. Mm -hmm. Dudes, this is a, a male dominated dominated industry. The guys are the groupies. They jump from guy to guy. You know what I mean? No matter how good or your bad your music is, it's some bad artists out here that are on top. And you know they're bad artists, but the program director is not going to say, well, then I go play that garbage because another station playing it. So it's, it's a groupie, gentrified industry right now. And that's why a lot of the artists who made hit, you can't tell me you're not supposed to be playing the Ice Cube record if he dropped it tomorrow. But you know what they're going to do? They're going to go play this new young cat that's some garbage and, and run and run his streams up. You're not supposed to tell me, just say Nas drop a record tomorrow. You're not finna air that thing out all day. But they go go run and do what they go do, man. What's what's the guy who did the little cowboy record, the little gay boy, Lil Nas X, they'll play his record. All day. God bless him. God bless him. But come on, bro. Give it to Nas though. Run Nas record though. 
that's not hip hop to me, man. But I'm not finna just get up here because people used to me smashing dissing artists and all that, man. I, I'm not finna. I'm not finna let the air out of them, man. Let me you know ask I mean? you. I'm not gonna let the air out of them. Let me ask you the realist. Uh, your discography's crazy. You say you got hard drives full of music. Um, if you had to do a versus today, who do you think would be a good person to pair up to go against you? Nobody. I wouldn't even. It's not even a versus, bro. I'm uh it's not even a versus, dog. Cause okay, somebody might uh he sound like Pocky Thinky Pop. Cool. But you gotta pay attention to my penmanship. I get on the verses and do songs I did for other artists and blow your mind, you'll never know it until I open my mouth. Mm. You know what I mean? One thing, I'm gonna tell you a quick story. Power 106 out here in LA. They were playing a record every night at six o'clock. They kept playing his record every night at six o'clock. Every night, it kept winning. It was a contest. It just kept on winning. It kept winning. It kept winning. It went on for weeks. They kept playing this, this record. And somebody was like, uh, man, they got this new Pac record, bro. It, it, nobody can beat it. So I'm in a studio. Man, I'm at Can-Am Studio, Death Row Studios. So six o'clock, I go outside and turn the radio on in the car. So let me see what... What Pac record they got? Cause I know wasn't nothing from Pac getting released. So I'm like, what new Pac record do they have? Somebody stole some of my acapellas mm. and sold them to this guy for 10 G's. And he put it on his album and they said it was Pac. And they ran it for weeks. Cause I don't listen to the radio. Cause I'm not gonna get programmed with what's on the radio. So I, I listened to it. I'm like, wow, that's my record. So I contact the radio station. Cause I had a good rapport with them guys. I'm like, hey, bro, that record y'all keep airing out at 6 o'clock at night saying it's a new Pac record. I'm surprised that the state didn't even get in contact with them, neither, though. But I'm like, uh, that's my record. And they thought I was lying to them. I mean, I had to send, had to get my attorney sent cease and desist letters up, all type of stuff, bro. And it kind of messed my relationship up with Power 106. Mm. Them facts. It's a cold world out here, bro. No, it's a super cold world in the music industry. Now, we, we know you wrote for a lot of artists. Uh, we, we don't got to talk about business here. But was was there ever one record without saying the record um, that you wrote and you was like, damn, I, I wish that was mine? You ever had that moment? Uh, nah. Nah. Because it's fun. It's fun. Um. It's fun at the same time because majority of records I'm just having fun with them, and then I just slide them to the homies. You know what I'm saying? I just slide them. You know what I mean? And real, real artists respect what I do. And I mean, you see behind me, man, above this Death Row plaque, you see that's that's a Terror Squad plaque that I was involved with. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's the Lean Back album. So it's it's it is what it is, man. I got I got a plaque game that's that's monstrous, bro. You know, I just don't open my stuff up to a lot of people, man, because I don't think it's a lot of people' business. But I'm not gonna be that guy that walk people through the house and show this and post this. And you know, I do something here and there just to, you know, put some gas on the fire. But when it comes to that pin game, man, you can put me whoever you think your top five is. Put me in there with them, and then y'all figure it out after it gets done. Because you no, know, what I'm doing that a lot of other artists are doing, I'm helping with the track. It's not just me walking in there with a verse I had from 10 years. I'm walking in there, I'm helping produce that beat. And I'm writing the verses right on the spot with the hooks. I'm doing it all right there on the spot, man. I'm making, 
I'm making the record. Like literally producing making... the record on the spot. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm finna go get, okay, let me call the guitar players. I need them. Let me get the percussionists. I need them. Okay, I need, the, you know what I mean? It's not just a, a lot of people just rapping on a beat. I'm adding a lot more to it. I need saxophone players here. I need this here, this, this. And I know what I want the drops to be when the mixes come in. So it's a lot that come in one record. You can get one record done, it's gonna be like you're 30,000 deep. So would you say that you've ghostwritten more songs than you've recorded for yourself? No. But more songs that I've ghostwritten have came out. Gotcha, gotcha. Mm. If you catch him, major key you know alert. What I mean? <laughs> major key alert. Yeah. Gorillas is here. Once again, this is our live here on Facebook.com slash Boom Bap Nation. My guy Tone Vera's here. The Realist is here. Before we close out this interview, we have this hey, new we record. Shoot the Tonight Enemies video too. We finna shoot the video. That's bro. right. So let's so, talk. Let's talk about the new record. So yeah. we got a new record that just dropped. Dub C Cbo. Talk about this new record. Instrumentation is crazy. We kind of already established that the record was out for a while. Um, but what, what made you say, you know what? This is the record I want to put out now with this new distribution company. And what made the time feel right to put it together? Because the climate of the streets, I see the way the weirdos moving. You know what I mean? I'm not doing no plan. Somebody run up on me um, with with their chest stuck out, moving the wrong way. It's uncut, man. You know what I mean? And that record speaks for itself. You know what I'm saying? Gunshots to those who ain't feeling me. You know what I mean? It, it's one of those records. I'm not playing. And the guys that are on that record aren't playing. It's one of those records. It's like, we're at war, so we're going to give you some wartime music. If it was a happy space right now, I had another record to come out to start the year off at a happy space. I knew it was going to be some BS in the game when it was time for the orange man to get up out of there. So, orange man. Yeah. Yeah. Sun kissed didn't want to get out of there the right, right way. So, this is what we're going to do. And it's going to be some more foolery in the next of week course. or so. Of course. And somebody down the line going to keep doing something. So, yeah. It is what it is. That's why. That's why I say, okay, I'm gonna kick the year off with this one in January, just because I know that guy's gonna do something weird. Tom, final question. All right, let's say like you get in an elevator and you start talking to somebody, and they tell you that they don't really like rap music. How would you sell them to to you? You know, to become a fan of yours in like ten seconds. I wouldn't even try to sell them to be a fan of mine. I'm gonna sell them to understand me. It wouldn't even be about music. I'm gonna get some money out of them without giving them no music. I'm gonna get in your mind. It ain't even gotta be the music. I'm gonna get you a whole nother way. And then once you get around me and my spirit and my vibe, you don't even, I got people around me don't even know I do music. Try that. Yeah, there's some people that are actually around me, my neighbors. I mean, I'm in an all white neighborhood. They don't even know I do music. You know what I mean? Major it's just like, it. yeah. So I don't, I don't even want them in that world with me. You know what I mean? Of course not. So yeah, you you want the yeah. you want the separation. Now the real is the actual final question. When it's all said and done, you know, ten years from now, um, you know, when you hang your hat up, twenty years from now, when you hang your, what do you want your legacy to be? I mean, obviously, um, you've been caught up in controversy. Um, you you have an amazing catalog. Um, a lot of people don't know about it. But what do you want your legacy to be, the realist, as a musician? As a musician, I I want my legacy to be that I was just 
one of the realest I help. One thing I help a lot of people, dog. I really extend. I extend my hand. Sometimes I overextend. But as my legacy goes, I just want everybody to delve deep into what I put out. A lot of people aren't going to learn about me until I'm like, I'm done with this. That's just how much music I have. Because right now, man, I have, I think, like 1,600 records. Jesus. Like 1,600. And only a few hundred have been released. And that's not even counting the features. I got a ton of features with guys that it's music that's ready to go. So everything that you guys are finna get ready to get, man, I can start releasing stuff from 2002 and it sounds like it's brand new. Hmm. I'm finna go sit down with my man Morris from 1500 and I'm just finna drop him off hard drives and just let him fish through them and just start updating the tracks because some of the beats are outdated, but the rhymes, the features, uh, they're, they're scary, dog. You're, you're, a lot of people would not believe the people that I've worked with. I got records with City High back when they was hot. You know what I mean? Like a lot of different people. Man, I got records with Bobby Brown. Mm. You know what I mean? You would never. I got records, bro. You like that? I got I got records with Bobby Brown. I never even put out. And I'm talking about Bobby on there going for it. So, so my legacy, my legacy will be whatever it is, man. You know, I'm not gonna sell. I'm not here to sell myself to nobody. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to sell myself to anybody. You just got to speak for itself. Thanks. But I have touched six figures multiple times, man. From yes. from from having a conversation on the microphone. And and that's exactly what matters. The realest. Thank you for coming to Boom Bap Nation. Love y'all, man. Jeez. Every single Thursday, the infamous hour day is Tone Vero. We are here for the infamous hour live. You can listen back to this on Spotify, iTunes, and much, much more. And of course, catch us on our FM radio stations of WWMV 95.5 on Mondays, Boulder, Colorado on Tuesdays, and of course, Pittsfield, Massachusetts, WBRK Star 101.7 FM every single Friday. The audio from this show airs on FM radio. Uh, Tone Vero, any last words? Man, just like sitting here learning about, you know, the realist, like this man is a legend. This man is like, yo, y'all need to look into his discography tonight. This man is just like insane with it. He's done so much. He's contributed so much to music. And yo, I salute you for that. And bro, I'm just honored to have been here to be able to talk to you for a bit. Appreciate your time. Now, man, I thank y'all for the love and support. And uh, once again, happy birthday to my man, Sibo. Uh, good looking to my man, Dove C, for co- contributing to the record. Y'all go out. Hey, if you don't like it, just listen to it. Tonight, we are enemies. And whenever you feel somebody is too close and you about to get it off, put this record on, man. It'll make you make the decision up, man. You know what I mean? It'll get it, it'll get it done for you. That's right. Make sure, that's right. Make sure you get that new realist record out right now featuring Dub C and Sebo. This is the infamous hour. We'll be back next week with the dog pound. They'll be here on the infamous hour. You can ask your questions in the chat. Hopefully, West Coast gangsters. Yeah, we, we take it over the West Coast. Hopefully, we'll have uh, the fan line open so we, they can jump in and ask some questions. And once again, we appreciate all the fans for watching this and tuning in and tapping in with the infamous hour, Boom Bap Nation, and of course, live cast. Till next week, stay safe, stay COVID 19 free.